Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to making you hate the zoo. Thank you so very much for tuning back in. I really appreciate you clicking on Two Bunnies Humping. It genuinely makes my day. I suppose with Bunnies Humping being my logo, I should probably do an episode at some point, but today is not that day. I noticed that Halloween decor is stocking up in stores right now. First of all, holy shit, I can't believe it's that time of year. Coronavirus has me all fucked up with my time relativeness. But naturally, I am in the spooky spirit and I dropped a shit ton of money and I decided to do an episode on a creepy crawly. So strap in, today's episode is about the red back spider. <laughs> if you look up a picture, which I'll obviously upload to Phonication's Instagram, it'll probably look very familiar. They do look remarkably like the very famous black widow spider. It's actually called the Australian black widow. So same genus, they're related. The reason that they're called the Australian black widow is because they're found throughout Australia. It's absolutely shocking. I know, I know. And because it's Australian, naturally it's gonna be wildly venomous and significantly more dangerous than it really needs to be. <laughs> like, Side note, it being Australian was actually a huge accident. I read about their sex lives and was like, neat, I'm gonna do an episode. And then as I started writing out my notes, I discovered they were Australian. So I'm very sorry that we're doing 700 Australian species in a row. <laughs> Next week, I promise I'll do a different continent, but everything keeps on accidentally happening over there. <laughs> Anyways, the redback spider. Latin name, Latrodectus hesselti. Maybe, I still haven't gotten around to learning Latin. The female is jet black with a red hourglass on her belly and a red stripe on her back, incredibly long front legs and the giant round abdomen. You know that kind of characteristic look the North American Black Widow has? Same, but with another splotch of red essentially. The male is kind of puny and more of a brown color. This is another species that has pretty exaggerated sexual dimorphism. If you're new here and you haven't heard me explain what sexual dimorphism is, first of all, welcome. That's gonna come up a lot. <laughs> Second, I'll do a quick explanation. Basically, it's different sexes in a singular species looking different beyond their genitals. It's seen frequently in birds where males are super colorful and pretty and females are generally super vanilla. The other most common example being size. As with the redback spider, the female is on average 10 millimeters, translated to American that's 0.4 inches, while the male is up to four millimeters or 0.16 inches. So they're like, almost three times his size. If I did my math right, probably not. Feel free to DM me about my shit math skills. I'll just agree with you. <laughs> All right, before we get into the weird sex stuff, let me explain the daily life of this creature. <laughs> As expected, this species is nocturnal because nothing that's creepy looking isn't nocturnal. Actually, is there any spider in the world that isn't nocturnal? I'm looking it up. I just Googled it real quick and yes, first of all, I spent four minutes trying to remember what the opposite of nocturnal was because I knew it just couldn't be dayurnal. So turns out it's diurnal <laughs> because of course. But yeah, initial Google search gave me three spiders in pretty quick succession. So there's likely more. To satiate any curiosity, the three I found were okay, Nephila clavata, Leucage, Leucage blanda, and Argiope. Bruinichi. <laughs> I don't know, they're, they're orb weaver spiders. <laughs> but back to the redbacks. They're nocturnal, like I said. And the females live in coves made by untidy, filthy spider webs. Very Shelob chic from Lord of the Rings. 
And naturally, the web is used to ensnare food for the lady to munch on. When she falls upon her prey, she'll shoot a sort of a super glue sort of thing at them, and it makes their limbs and appendages stick together. And it makes resistance futile. Then she'll inject them with a venom that causes paralysis before wrapping them in silk, and then she'll go to town biting their head and body just to make sure they're extra compliant. And if that doesn't work, she'll leave them to their own devices to just die of exhaustion from the aforementioned futile resistance, until eventually their insides liquefy from her venom. <laughs> Neat. Males usually live on the outskirts slums of her webs, stealing leftovers and scraps and generally being a harmless annoyance. What bothers me, though, is that with something so venomous and badass, her venom can totally kill a human. The fact that this spider has predators fucking baffles me. Other spider species and some wasps totally go after this bitch, and I don't get it. There has to be easier prey, dude. Hey, side note, I feel obligated to plug this. If you get bitten by her, there's an antidote. Or I guess an anti-venom. Same for the North American Widow. Please don't die. Also, technically, the male can bite you too, but he's not as good at it. Something that is fairly common for redbacks is stealing food, which I feel like is weird. The female spends the majority of her adult life at home, but sometimes she'll just get a weird bug up her butt, not literally, and she'll venture out of the house, break into a neighboring web, and kill the owner. Casual home invasion is absolutely the norm, and if there's a male living on the outskirts of the web she just conquered, generally she'll accept him like a consolation prize and then allow him to feed on whatever food is still ensnared in the dead host's web. Usually, while he watches her feed on the dead body of his prior sugar mama, thinking about the life in store for him with his new one, metal. <laughs> so, let's talk about males for a little bit. Male redbacks are classified as monogenists, not misogynists, monogenists. Totally different. What that means is Dudebro mates once in his entire life. And I'll tell you the main reason why that is in about, I don't know, 40 seconds. But another big reason is that generally, he exhausts his entire sperm supply in one mating session. Eventually, he'll be hanging out at Sugar Mama's web, and then it's time to fulfill his end of the arrangement, which is obviously to put out. Starting with a serenade as he plucks the strings of her webs, sending along his intentions. Considering his intentions are included on the vibrations along the web, it wouldn't be incorrect to say he's putting the vibes out. Then, after a few hours, it's time for the sex. And boy, does he give that lady a treat, literally. He does a full-on somersault, jumping into her mouth so that she can start chewing on her snack. It's him, he's the snack, with two Cs. The male redback spider is one of only two known species that voluntarily participates in and assists in copulatory cannibalism. <laughs> That's a mouthful of a word. <laughs> Not as much as a mouthful for the female redback though. <laughs> Like, okay, so I think everybody knows that praying mantises do the whole cannibalism thing, but the male doesn't stick his ass in her face going, hey, please eat me. The redback literally fucking does. <laughs> I think this is probably the only time when saying that the victim was asking for it is okay. No other time. <laughs> so, why does the male voluntarily catapult himself into the literal jaws of death? For starters, that sex drive. Secondly, the male has a much shorter life expectancy than the female, and it isn't uncommon for males to die in search of a mate. So when they get the opportunity, they jump at it. Thirdly, females who had previously eaten a male have been observed rejecting subsequent males, so it's possible that he does that to ensure no one goes in after him. But primarily, by allowing the female to start chewing on him, it actually extends the amount of time they spend mating. It distracts her, I guess. 
And the longer they spend mating, the more likely Dudebro is to pass on his genes and fertilize a larger number of eggs. Males who engage in self-sacrifice nearly double the amount of genetic material passed on. However, there is actually new research in regards to the redback spider and, I guess, the male's attempts to pass on his lineage. It's been discovered that some males, I think about 65% of observed males, will mate with immature females, and then around a third of immature redback females observed carried sperm. But he won't bother going through the whole messy, intricate mating ritual. He pretty much does a quick pump and then fucks off. But to access her genitals, he has to use his mouth to chew through her exoskeleton. Naturally, the whole mating with an immature female thing gives me big creeper vibes since, as a human, that is obviously a massive no-no in our society. Please don't use spiders as justification for sex shit. After he's done, a lot of times he'll actually break the tip of his genitals off while still inside her to basically, like, plug her up and keep anybody from going in after him. When she finishes her final molt and matures, she'll deliver a clutch of eggs fertilized by the creeper. By the way, it's speculated that the reason that the immature female doesn't eat the male in these situations, like with normal mating with a mature female, it's because he strategically waits until she's about to do her final molt and she's used a lot of energy getting to this point, so she's too exhausted to eat him. And that raises the creepiness factor of the male, to be honest. After copulation, a female can store a male sperm for up to two years for future insemination, and she can produce a new sack of eggs every three weeks. But she'll usually start advertising her pheromones around three months after her latest uh, ritual, which I personally think that's hilarious. <laughs> like, imagine some chick putting up a fucking billboard that just says, hey, I'm fertile and hungry, come over. <laughs> I'd lose my shit. <laughs> I'm already losing my shit just thinking about it. <laughs> Anyways, she lays her clutch of eggs, and they can hatch in as early as eight days, but cooler temperatures can slow their development, and they'll wait to hatch until it's warm outside. I'm the same way, honestly. I'm a baby back bitch in the cold. After hatching, the baby spiders hang out on the mother's web and begin bonding with their siblings through cannibalization. <laughs> because, of course they do. Honestly, I feel like my brother and I are very close, but... I wonder if we missed out by not trying to kill each other more proactively. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, there were definitely some attempts, but I never tried to serve them up like a pot roast. <laughs> Before leaving, male juveniles will create a sack with sperm and then go off searching for horny teenagers. <laughs> Just a teenager with essentially a rucksack tied to a stick filled with sperm, walking off into the sunset. Iconic. <laughs> Except not. Then what they actually do is they create a balloon to be carried away from the web on the wind. <laughs> I guess that has romantic appeal. And then the whole cycle starts all over again. Circle of life and all that. <laughs> Sometimes being a human is super hard, but it's better than being a spider. <laughs> and that is where I leave you. I hope you enjoyed that. Or hated that. Whichever. <laughs> Hopefully you learned a lot. I did while I was researching for the episode notes. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you guys so much for sitting down and listening. It seriously means a lot to me. Don't forget to check out Fonication on Instagram and Twitter where I'll upload weird shit. If you like the podcast, please, please, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps. And if you really like the podcast, please consider becoming a patron on our Patreon. Speaking of which, all the proceeds from Patreon were donated, like I promised, and I uploaded the receipts on there as well. Anyways, tune in next hump day for more weird shit. Bye! <laughs>